uh, any time America's team loses, America wins. Whoever moved the Chip Kelly smoothies he had in Philly back in the day that always kept people healthy out of the building needs to be fired. <laughs> I'll pretty much root for anybody that plays against the Yankees, to be honest. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Expansion Buddies podcast. I'm your co-host, Justin, and I'm joined by my level-headed co-host, Jared. How are you doing today, Jared? Uh, a lot better now that you think I'm level-headed. I appreciate that. Well, today I think you're going to have to be, because let me tell you, I am coming in heated, and I hope that slamming the desk doesn't come through too badly. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we're jumping right in. Let's go. I am... So let me, I, I will admit, I did not get to watch as much of the NFL this weekend as I wanted to uh, over this Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, I was in agony basically because I had a wisdom tooth that was coming in sideways and it was probably the worst pain I've ever been in. Uh, got a pulled the other day on Monday, feeling great now. So good. much better. It's awesome. Good, good. So I did not get to watch as much as I wanted because I was just, trying to basically sleep through the pain survive the pain that that caused me is almost as bad as the pain that this week has caused in football oh my gosh what is happening i like i said i am coming in heated and let me jump right into it let's talk about the broncos saints because well, my gosh the broncos I, minus their quarterbacks i am saints. so upset First of all, for those of you that haven't heard the situation, which I can't imagine any of you haven't, but I will recap it nonetheless. Broncos quarterback. Oh, shoot. Uh, Drew Locke. Was it Drew Locke? I mean, he's one of their quarterbacks. I don't know what you're going Basically, one. I was going to say one of them contracted COVID, tested positive for COVID, and the rest of their quarterbacks, which has included Drew Locke, um, Blake Bortles, the whole kit and caboodle were all in close contact, so they were all sidelined. Yep. This forced the Broncos to bring up um, a practice squad player. A practice squad player that, do you know what he was playing at the time, Jerry? Wasn't he a receiver? Correct. He had signed on the practice squad as a receiver. He was called up to play quarterback. By the way, he was not the emergency quarterback. He... Was a quarterback in college, though. And so they elevated this young man who, if I remember correctly, and I probably don't, the last time he threw an NF or a football touchdown was in 2017, which, unless I forgot math, was three years ago. Yeah, so wide receiver uh, Kendall Hinton is yes. his name. He... I read a thing. I, I was getting there. I'm, I'm just, I'm just rambly at the moment. <laughs> he had thrown a touchdown pass more recently than Saints quarterback Taysom Hill. Actually, going into that game, but I am willing to bet that Taysom Hill has been practicing at the quarterback position. Oh yeah, no, not getting thrown into it. And I, I kid you not, basically the day before. Oh, the, it was the day before. Like they tried. I don't know if you saw this. Denver tried asking the NFL, asking the league, if they could actually, no joke, have their quarterbacks coach suit up and play. Yeah, I and did see that. The league dropped a hard no on that. So I, I feel legitimately and honestly bad for the situation that the Broncos were put in because that is unfortunate. And the timing that that happened didn't allow enough tests to go out for Drew Locke, or Blake Bortles, or any of the other quarterbacks, because I believe it's two in a row negative tests within 48 hours that show that you are not... Not positive, yeah. Not positive. If it's anything like college football, actually, I think it's three negative tests. I think Maybe it has to be three. So what really grinds my gears, what it really gets my goat here, is instead of postponing this game, the NFL just buckles down and says all right deal with it it's 
it's that same feeling as getting told in a class that you have to buy the textbook and you find out that the teacher is selling it. They don't care about you. They care about getting the product out there. Mm-hmm. It, it is so aggravating because we see also the same week. Well, actually, it was last Thursday on Thanksgiving. There was supposed to be the Raven Steelers game, correct? Yep, the game that just wrapped up a couple hours ago at the time of recording this. True. Finally. Also, before I forget, shout out to RG3, who I didn't get to watch the game. I got saw some of the highlights, saw that he had his longest breakaway run since his rookie season. Shout out to RG3. Cool. Cool stuff. Um, but that game got postponed a almost an entire seven days. It kept getting postponed. It kept getting postponed. Why couldn't the NFL postpone the Broncos game? They could have waited a few days to see if any of the other quarterbacks were testing positive. Uh, still, that raises issues with incubation periods. But I think this, more than anything, shows that the NFL does not care. They play favorites is what they do. They do. I would take a stab in the dark and say had the Saints been playing somebody a little more competitive, maybe let's say the Packers or the Seahawks or whoever, I think the NFL would have postponed it then. I just think the I fact agree. that it was the Broncos, a team that's not expected to make any noise down the stretch here, the NFL was like, ah, Saints are going to win anyway, play the game. And their option was basically deal with it or forfeit the game. And I, I don't blame the Broncos for playing this game. I well, you have to I wouldn't want to forfeit any either, but I mean, if you look at the stats of this game, it's just it's abysmal. Yeah, it was pretty one-sided, as yeah. most expected it would be. I mean, it's it's hard to put out an even offense if you know there's not going to be any true passing attack. And I we've talked a little bit about that before. I do not believe that the way the NFL handled it was this was fair. And while it is true that life is not fair, there was no need for this. This game could have been postponed at least long enough for more tests to be done on the Broncos quarterbacks. They can push back playoffs. It may be weird for the scheduling, but they can push back playoffs. They can use a flex week later on. It could have been pushed then. There is no reason that this game had to be played. There's no reason this game should have been played. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. And if we want to stick on the subject of teams getting upended because of this uh, pandemic, I'm sure you've heard the news too, that San Francisco can't play home games for the next two scheduled home games. Yep. The Arizona 49ers now. Yeah. At least for the next few weeks, they will be. Um, And I've only heard this in passing. I haven't really looked into it. Why can't they play home games? Because it's, it's Santa Clara County where Levi stadium is Mm -hmm. just banned contact sports at any level for a couple weeks. Oh, really? So that's why. And the 49ers, I guess, tried to reach out to the local government there and it was a no go. So they can't play there for the time being. And I know there's a general dislike of the 49ers on this show, primarily from you, Jared. I'm, I'm going to call you out on that, Just but it's understandable. I'll own uh, up to it. Yeah, I hate them. <laughs> yeah, I, I I get the same thing with the Falcons. Don't worry. I feel I do feel bad for the 49ers this year. I they kind of had a had a rough time of it. They had the great injury day over in New York. They had to deal with the wildfire smoke. For quite a while which that that air quality couldn't have been good it wasn't good and i'm sure you saw the apocalyptic like pictures and videos from the area yeah and and now they can't even play in their home stadium that's a lot of things i feel like have been stacked against the the 49ers this year yeah it's that they've had a lot of a lot of things not roll their way uh i'll give them kudos though and i actually was rooting for it beating the Rams like they did this last week yeah they swept the Rams yeah they did and I love it because uh anyone that can beat up on the Rams right now because clearly Seattle can't do it (laughs) it's good for me (laughs) I I'm not happy with the NFL 
on how they did this. I think the NFL needs to be held accountable this year. There, there needs to be repercussions for how things have been handled. And if there's not, then it's just going to be something that continues to make precedents and become it becomes typical over a oh, I can't even anomaly. Think of the yeah rather than being an anomaly it becomes typical well and I, I agree with you my only question is though who is going to hold the NFL accountable the NFL is a very obviously powerful entity that has not really been held accountable for other things <laughs> and That's I guess true. My question is, who is going to hold them accountable? I really don't see it happening. Oh, and that's that's the issue. I do not know that there is someone that can hold them accountable because the NFL is going to follow the money. Yeah, that's uh, no you secret. Could argue that Goodell could hold the NFL accountable, but he will not. We've already seen... He's part of the problem. Yeah, that he's exactly part of the problem. And time and time again, he has not had a, a fair hand in dealing with issues. You know, whether whether you agree with it or not, there's, you know, like the Zeke situation a few years ago. I, I think he kind of handled that incorrectly. And, you know, issues with player problems off the field have been handled differently, even when the cases are very similar. Well, drastically differently, and that's yeah. the problem. I mean, the NFL is no secret to have been uh, just pathetic in terms of handling punishment, quite honestly you know, they deliver really harsh punishments for things that maybe don't warrant them. And then things that do, they're, you know, a slap on the wrist. Yeah. So, yeah, this is sadly, like you were saying, uh, it's becoming pretty typical of the league at this point. Uh, They were playing favorites. It didn't surprise me one bit. Um, And like I said, they obviously tried everything they could to get this Steelers Ravens game put into some primetime slot and three mm-hmm. thirty on a Wednesday afternoon is what they had to settle for. <laughs> Moving on from that. Speaking of things that hurt me, can we talk about the Eagles? Yeah, I'd love to let's do it. So your Seahawks played the Eagles this weekend, beat the Seahawks. They beat the Eagles. The Eagles technically had a chance to come back, but on paper, on paper, but Leading up to that, they they scored on a Hail Mary, went for a two-point conversion, which I'd like to come back to, and lost. First of all, I'm sorry, the Seahawks did not play that well. I did not watch the game. I have seen highlights. The Seahawks did not play that well. Uh, No, they didn't. With the exception, uh, I will say, uh, DK Metcalf played very well. Well, see, that's DK's thing anymore, clearly. He torches the Eagles. He did it twice last year, including the playoffs, and then set a new – uh, career best for receiving yards on Monday night yeah. against them. So that that's becoming a normal which, thing. And which I did it. you hear the the story bef- that happened before the game? Oh yeah, Jim Schwartz. <laughs> yeah, Jim Schwartz told DK Metcalf, "Hey, I was in Detroit with Megatron, and you're not there yet." Which, in all accounts, was supposed to be made as a compliment. Like, hey, <laughs> you're really good. Um, you're not quite as good as Megatron yet. I get what he get was there. trying to say. But DK Metcalf was like, and I took that personally and killed the Eagles defense. He did. Uh, and what I was going to say was I know the score doesn't necessarily reflect it, but I actually was a little more, uh, I don't want to say relieved, but pleased, I guess, with what I saw from Seattle's defense in that game. And yeah, we're only playing the Eagles, but. Still, I will take any little victory I can get while watching the Seahawks defense right now. And they, did- I will say, I do think the Seahawks defense is improving right now, which I I would argue is kind of Pete Carroll's and the Seahawks thing is that they do identify problems early on in the season and they work, you know, periodically chipping away and trying to fix those problems as best they can in in playoff season. Yeah, it's true. I still think we need to fire Ken Norton. Uh, Pete does do what you say there where he kind of chips away at it all season, but he also digs his heels in sometimes to the point where it's mm-hmm. frustrating. So I, I partially agree with what you're saying, but Which, hopefully we can continue to keep figuring it out. I think that's kind of a bullheaded thing that a lot of older coaches have um, where they, they kind of have like, this is how I want things done, even if they are like, make changes and be flexible to win they're still like 
but we need to win within my boundaries, mm-hmm. yeah. which is something right now. I don't want to take it to the Buccaneers because I, I want to talk about the Eagles Seahawks, but that's something I think we're kind of seeing right now. And a lot of people are calling out on the Buccaneers is that there's a decent amount of tension between uh, Arians and Brady right now. And it scares me because we are now in a position where we could theoretically miss the playoffs and I don't want to miss the playoffs. I, I'm not so much concerned with the Seahawks performance. They kind of, you know, did what I expected this year. You know, they played them, I think, closer than they should have. We played down to our opponents, though, so it's pretty yeah. typical, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of what I expected from the Seahawks. But can we talk about what's going on in Philadelphia? I know we have a little bit, but it has just regressed so much. Well, now – um, you're looking at the NFC East. It's still awful across the board, but now the Giants are in the driver's seat. Yeah. And uh, as far as Philly goes, it might not be a popular opinion right now, but I think it's time to look at Jalen Hurts. Um, I, I would agree, but I, I, think, I think that's only treating a symptom of the disease. Well, Carson Wentz is, is an issue, but... No, it's but not a long-term fix. It, I, I, it is. I, I don't even think it's a short-term fix. It's maybe not a fix at all, but I think... I, this, Jalen Hurts, I think, is the only thing that's going to happen is he's going to come in, teams aren't going to have a game plan for him, and the Eagles might sneak out some wins. But ultimately, the quarterback situation is it, kind of a two-part problem there. But it's there. there's an issue with talent around... or talent on the offense... There's a lot of young guys. There's a lot of less than stellar guys, but the the big issue is the coaching, in yeah. my opinion. It's not great because we know we have seen that this offense has problems. That Carson Wentz himself has problems, and I I don't blame or I don't fault people for calling for Jalen Hurts because boy, watching Carson Wentz play football sure does hurts. I'm sorry. (laughs) But the way the Eels go about their play calling is is exacerbating the problems that Carson Wentz has. And one of the one of the big issues, and I kind of liken it to to Russell there in Seattle, is Carson Wentz wants to play hero ball, you know, extending the play making crazy throws uh, when he had, when he doesn't have a line, when he doesn't have, you know, maybe necessarily the, the receiving talent to make it. And if you, if you look at the numbers right now, I believe Carson Wentz has been sacked the most in the NFL this year. And Russell is second. Well, yeah, Seattle got him six times on Monday night. I know. Yeah. But the difference is Russell is a much better quarterback. Yeah. And he can, he can make it work. Carson Wentz tries to make these throws and we see it time and time again. Um, one of the best examples that I saw someone else point out was during the Dallas game a while back, he extended a play and instead of throwing a, a check down or running the ball to get it first, he, he forced a throw into double coverage in the end zone, trying to get that touchdown. He, he doesn't play safe. He, he's a gunslinger, but and, and the situation he's put in with the poor offensive line, the, the young receiving core, and he, he tries to be a hero all the time and it doesn't work. And, and the coach, the coaching calls and the play calls are putting him in that situation, even though they know it is, a problem. I don't know where I'm going with this at this point. I, I'm hoping you will interject here. Well, what? So earlier when I said that I think it's time to look at Jalen Hurts, I think for the for where the Eagles are right now, what do you have to lose by seeing what you have in this young guy? I mean, draft position. I guess, but the the whole NFC East really is kind of put putting themselves in a weird spot with the draft where at this point, 
I mean, I guess you still obviously try to push for the playoffs, but whoever makes that playoff spot is really kind of screwing themselves in the draft. Yeah. And honestly, I putting Hurts in, like I said, it may be a short-term solution at the very best. You know, at the very best, he comes in and is is mechanically better than Wentz. But ultimately, you're going to be, I think, risking your young quarterback because that off, that offensive line is poo-poo. Yeah, you're, you're, that's a good point. You are putting him into a very uh, shaky situation in, behind that line. And, and that's basically the line when the Eagles were making their Super Bowl run was much better. Carson Wentz still took some bad hits. I and mean, then, obviously, he got injured that year. Yeah. Every, basically every year since that that was that 2017 yeah that 2017 run the offensive line has gotten worse and worse Carson Wentz has taken more and more hits and he's had some really bad injuries that I think have compounded into his steep regression and if if the Eagles put in Jalen Hurts are they potentially not just shooting himself in the foot and starting the vicious cycle over again that's true. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I totally agree with you that it's an issue that goes a lot deeper than any one position, even the quarterback position, uh, for sure. I just, I don't know, like, based off what I saw Monday night, it, it can't be worse than what they have right now. But didn't they put him in for a little like, bit on Monday and then benched him immediately? They put him in for a play. A play, as far as I know. That's I, I think there needs to be a lot of things that change in Philly. Um, I actually, Alex, if you're listening to this, please reach out to me. I'd love to know your thoughts. Because right now, I I mean. Oh, if you tune it, into it, the Get Back guys this week, I'm sure you'll hear Alex's thoughts <laughs> on the Eagles. Because I just, I, I can't, I can't understand it. I, I want to know what your opinions are. Because I, I can't imagine how frustrated and angry you are. Because... Actually, I kind of can because I there was a somewhat similar situation in Tampa a couple of years ago where we had Dirk Cutter making the play calls he made and a quarterback that was Jameis Winston. But I don't know. I I actually I do see some parallels between what's happening in Philly and what happened in Tampa. You've got a quarterback that was lauded to be great. Um, who showed, you know, rookie season, great talent and has, has regressed to the point where they're throwing a lot of picks um, is in a coaching situation that is, that is feeding into that bad habit. And it's, it's not something we're going to fix here on the podcast, but I, I'm frustrated by it. Like, again, I, I, I do want to, like I said, I want to return back to that two point conversion call. Why do that? And this has been kind of the Eagles thing all year. Why do that? Well, you go back to their tie against Cincinnati. I still don't think they should have just folded over and accepted the tie. I agree. And everybody says, and I, I agree with people that say this, that Doug Peterson, the an analytics guy, he goes for the things that statistically are supposed to work. He plays, you know, it wouldn't be money ball. It'd be more like points ball. Yeah, well, and the but, thing is, it we've seen when it works at its best, the Philly special in the Super Bowl, but we've seen when it goes to its worst. And yeah, right now it's just not coming together. And it just, for me, watching the game the other night and watching just, if we're talking coaches, it felt like, and I don't mean this with disrespect, I just mean it factually. It felt to me like, Pete Carroll could have outcoached Doug Peterson on Monday night with, you know, his hands tied behind his back. I think most coaches right now can outcoach Doug Peterson with a few notable exceptions. One I would like to talk about in a little bit who no longer is employed. Oh, um, I know where we're going with that. I I want it. I, I, I am more and more thinking how much of that 2017 Super Bowl was Doug Peterson and that coaching staff compared to the special team that was the 2017 Eagles. Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, I've talked before about 
certain players elevating others. I think in this case, it was a team elevating a coach because I think, I think a lot more of that, that run was player ability than coaching ability. It was a lot of things. Yeah. I I agree that a lot of it was on the player side of thing. I do think that Doug Peterson obviously had a better coaching year that year than he's having right now. But I think a lot of things, including a little bit of luck worked in the Eagles favor that year to make it all come together the way it did. And yeah. yeah, And right now, three years removed from that, you see such an opposite Eagles team, such an opposite product that they're putting on the field there in Philly. And a lot of it can be attributed to injuries, but not all of it. And it's just, yeah, it's, I get what you mean when you say it's frustrating to watch, because I can imagine being a fan of that team, it would be extremely difficult. And and you bring up injuries and yes, injuries are bad, but the coaching decisions made like going for two point conversions when it is not a good idea to like it was in the Seattle game. Cause to me, everything would say, just kick the extra point. Try to get the onside kick, which you have to go for anyway. Go for, go and score, kick the the extra point there and tie it, or that's when you go for the two point. Yeah, like it's kind of putting the cart before the horse and then forcing yourself to go for a two point if you do get the onside kick, mm-hmm. which then the other team knows you're going to do that. The coaching decisions are not based on injury. I I don't know. I. I, I am upset by the situation that the Eagles are in primarily partially, I should say, because of, of my, my memories of Carson Wentz's rookie year. I've talked about it. It's one of my favorite memories of football, watching him just torch the Broncos. It was a fun game to watch. Yeah. But watching that, that team's regression and just, fall from greatness to mediocrity has just been heartbreaking i think mediocrity is a nice word for what they are right now i don't know is it is it safe to say that this is your upsetting game of the week or it is it is because i i am honestly honest to god upset by the eagles right now and it 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 is what it is i guess yeah um, alex i'd love to hear how you hear and i'll or how you feeling? I'm going to try to tune into the, the, the get back guys this week and see what you have to say. Yeah. So any of our listeners out there tune into uh, our buddies over at the get back guys, big Eagles fan over there. A uh, good friend of ours. He has never been one to shy away from his opinions on Philly and I'm sure they're going to be something special this week. So uh, I will end it with this, this Eagles talk, uh, a question for you. The right. question we've been asking all season who wins the NFC East now after week 12? It is it is tough to say for me because honestly, I, I do think it's a tie or a uh, toss-up. I, I, I would personally love to see the Giants or Washington win it. Quite frankly, just because kind of the teams going into this season we expected to be the ones competing for it was Dallas and Philly. And when you've got the other two competing for it, and again, very awful division this year, but what a story that would be for Ron Rivera over in Washington, mm-hmm. all the stuff he's gone through, they've gone through over the last year, uh, or the Giants with Daniel Jones. I think that would be cool too. Now, again, whoever makes it, yeah. I don't think it's getting out of the first round, but I would like to see one of those two win it. I think honestly – and and partially, I'm I'm looking right now because just cause I need to refresh myself on schedule, um, and I feel bad for the the Washington football team. They got a tough closing schedule. They got the Seahawks, the the Niners, and the Steelers all in a row, and that's that's going to be a little bit rough on them. I think. I I do think, I do think, Giants don't look terribly too much better actually. So no, I mean, I, I, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, as far I know Seattle's upcoming schedule, we have the Giants and Washington in that. And I will say this about Washington. Um, I'm not super worried about their team, but as a Seahawks fan who over the last decade 
seem like we played the Panthers every year. Uh, Ron Rivera is somebody I really don't like seeing just because <laughs> he, he knows how to coach against Seattle. He really does. Uh, our games yeah. with the Panthers were always these grinder games that, you know, had final scores like 12 to seven and we'd have to, you know, gut it out at the end. We usually ended up getting the better of them. Not always, but still it was not, it was never a fun game. Yeah. I think honestly, what I would have to say, I think Washington is the team with the most upside. I think even though their organization, I, I hate giving any sort of credit to, but I do, I do think you have the better coach there in honor of River wrote Ron. Assuming they keep Smith in at quarterback, or even if they, they don't use uh, Alex Smith, they've got, um, Oh, why am I blanking? I am so bad with names lately. Well, they've um, got uh, Dwayne Hash. Yeah, they've Hashkins. got Haskins, but um, and they've got Kyle Allen. Is Kyle Allen going to be able to come back this season? No, I doubt it. I'm just I'm just yeah. listing off their quarterbacks. All right, but yeah, they got Alex Smith and Dwayne Haskins, which I imagine they're going to stay with Alex Smith. So I'm going to retract my other point. But Alex Smith, who has experience. Even if he's not the most lights-out quarterback, he has more experience, and I think he is currently a better quarterback option than Daniel Jones, which I feel like it shouldn't be a hot take, but I kind of feel like it is. I I don't think it's that hot of a take. Daniel Jones, the cheetah? I uh, Hey, the man can cook when he gets running, so let's not not disparage him there. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think uh, right now – if you're asking me NFC East quarterbacks, I would take Alex Smith above them all. Yeah. And then if you look at offensive weapons, you've got Terry McLaurin. Yeah. Terry McLaurin is just an absolute animal this year. Yeah. He really is having a good season and I don't think enough people are talking about it. No, I think, I think because of where the Washington football team has been, you know, this year and last year, he is really getting overlooked, but he is, He's been having crazy good games. So here, here's a hypothetical that's a very hypothetical. What if next Monday afternoon, Washington goes in and actually beats Pittsburgh? That would be amazing. Hands the Steelers nice. their first loss. And I think if they do that, then you've, you've really got to talk about them as – contenders for winning the nfc east yeah absolutely yeah i don't i mean i don't see it happening but i love i love playing the what if game and that's uh that's a big i mean i think it would be safe to say that'd be our upset game that week Mm -hmm. speaking of what's your upset game this week i can i can give mine yeah you give yours because i i am blanking on my my pick i uh i think we might probably have the same one perhaps uh falcons over the raiders Oh, yeah, Falcons over the Raiders, absolutely. And not just the fact that they topped them, but the fact that they beat them by 38 points. Yeah. Or 37 points. Good Lord. And Gruden did say before that that he thought the Falcons were the best – oh, God, what did he say? The the best losing team in NFL history, something like that, or like the best three-and-seven team in history. I didn't hear that, but oh yeah, that's he was complimenting them before the game, and boy, did they really? Yeah, it's the yeah. other reason that this game is is not only an upset, but it's upsetting to me, is that the Falcons are going to do what Falcons do and go on some stupid late season win streak that yeah. does nothing but change their draft position and screw over the Buccaneers. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta is now what? What's their record right now? Uh, four and seven. And, I, I mean, I don't think they're going to catch Tampa Bay necessarily. No, but they're not going to catch us, but we still have to play them two times this year. That's true. So, I don't know. I don't know what you're going to get out of that Falcons team. But, yeah, I, I – I think at this point, I early in the season, I was feeling like we were going to sweep them. Uh, I am now feeling more confident in that we are going to – have a toss up with them split with them yeah split with them and i mean we 
we we lost out to the Saints. We swept the Panthers. I'd really like to sweep the Falcons. That would go a long way in helping our our playoff chances. Yeah. Well, and I I don't think the Falcons win over the Raiders is going to be as impactful for Atlanta as it might be for Las Vegas now, because you're talking a pretty tight AFC wildcard playoff race Mm -hmm. that, you know, you've got the dolphins in that conversation. Yeah. Um, The dolphins who I keep kind of forgetting they are seven and four right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, so with the Raiders, you need all the wins and help you can get because you're not going to win the AFC West with the chiefs. Um, And I still think they're probably a playoff team, but this really did kind of show uh, the weaknesses Mm -hmm. and I'm not, I'm not sold on them making a super deep run in the playoffs. I've said it before. I think they're giant killers though. They could be, they could be, but they, I don't know. This game against Atlanta just left a, really weird taste in my mouth about uh, this Raiders team. I still think they're good, but I don't know. Like, and knowing the type of coach that Gruden is, I'm sure he will uh, make them learn from this, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't know what it says about them moving forward. Honestly, I still see them as a playoff team, but they're going to be a very matchup dependent uh, team in the playoffs, like who they get paired up against is really going to be important for them. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I mean, we agree on the upset game. Uh, kind of was the one that stood out. Although I do want to give a little bit of kudos to the Patriots for beating the Cardinals, kind of an upset there. And then the team I really wanted to end by talking about, I know it's something I mentioned to you off the air is what do we make of Minnesota right now? Gosh, that's a great question. Is this a playoff team? This is a question that's been bugging me since their win over Carolina on Sunday. And they're only one game out of that last wildcard spot in the NFC right now. And they've won, I believe, four of their last five. Mm -hmm. So they're coming on right now. Of course, they had that ugly loss to Dallas, but – They've got upcoming games against the Lions, the Jags, uh, and the Bears, not in that order, but those are winnable games. And then they've got you guys and the Saints as well. So what do you think of the Vikings? They – it's funny because we're talking about them fighting for a wild-card spot. They are truly a wild-card team because I don't know what to make of them right now. They they got it done, like you said, against the Panthers in a – in a really tight one. And, you know, the big thing that I look, I'm looking at here is that they, I, I don't know that they're a playoff team just because of the, like, I feel like the quality of teams that they played has been fairly low this year. Um, on, or the quality of their wins has been pretty low. You know, they had the Texans pretty early on, but that was Bill O'Brien Texans. They got the upset over Green Bay though in Lambeau. That's that is their that is like their credit to their name, but otherwise you have the Chicago Bears um and the 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 Lions. And yeah. then they, they lose the the Cowboys. That, that's a that's a very shaky team in my opinion. They I don't know. I and I feel like it's almost a coin flip on whether they're going to make it or not. Well, and I will say this, uh, if we'll remember earlier in the season, they played my Seahawks right down to the wire on mm-hmm. Sunday night. So if that team shows up, I think that they do have a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook is tearing it up this that season. That is true. Maybe maybe Dalvin Cook is going to decide that it is their time to make a deep playoff run again. Yeah, I mean, this was a team, like we've talked about, that was in the divisional round last year. They kind of ran into a buzzsaw against the 49ers, but they got that win on the road against New Orleans, and that's, you know, if there's three things that are guaranteed in this life, it's death taxes and the Vikings will beat the Saints in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I don't know what to make of them, and I'm so, I'm like you, I'm so flip-floppy on this team that I don't, 
I don't want to say one way or another if they're a playoff team or not, but I think their schedule moving forward, maybe with the exception of the game against the Saints and perhaps you guys, kind of favors them. Yeah. So I don't know. And the win over the Packers might help. Wins over the Lions and Bears definitely will. I think they're going to finish at least second in this division. I don't think they're going to finish first. I think the best they'll finish is second is how I should say that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't think there's any way they finish first this no, year. No, no one's catching the Packers for sure. Which, speaking of the Packers, they got their 100th win this weekend. Yeah, their 100th win over the Bears all time. Yeah. That's a pretty historic stat. Uh, yeah. One of the oldest rivalries in football. Uh, they kind of beat the hinges off the Bears, as many expected they would, and talking about a team that's really fallen off this year. Uh, the Bears and I know we're getting close to the end so we'll keep in the NFC North because I know you want to talk about it a certain somebody got fired in Detroit <laughs> Matt Patricia the man the myth the beard finally got the axe oh they got embarrassed on Thanksgiving yes they did I my my favorite story to come of this is Deshaun Watson basically said screw it I'm gonna do it myself and went ham and Detroit fans were so thankful that he finally put the nail in the Matt Patricia coffin that they donated money to Deshaun Watson's charity. Yeah, that I saw that too. That's that's awesome and hilarious. Uh, the Texans, you could argue, ended two coaching careers this year. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, maybe... I don't know if Houston plays the Jets later this season, but they could end three. Oh my gosh. Please tell me they do. I'm going to check right now. Um, but can you imagine that? Oh my gosh. That would just be such poetry. Uh, they do not. Oh, dang play it. The Jets. But who, who is going to put the nail in the Adam Gase coffin? Well, the Dolphins didn't do it. I don't think anyone's going to during the regular season at this point. You know, the Jets' upcoming games are uh, Vegas, Seattle, Rams, Cleveland, and New England. All games that I think they're going to lose, probably pretty handedly. I don't think that at this point, though, that the Jets are going to can Adam Gase during the season. I think they would have done that well before now if they were going to. Yeah. I think keeping Adam Gase around pretty much guarantees the number one pick, so... You don't want him going anywhere, I guess. Man, I, I I think I should put in a resume to the Lions, though, as interim head coach. Do it. I, I am currently <laughs> undefeated, so. Yeah, I mean. I can't be any worse than the other guy. That's that's absolutely fair. I haven't heard. Do you know who the Lions are going to go with for the rest of the I, season? I haven't. No, that's. I think with everything else, any news of that kind of got buried. Yeah. I mean, we Bill O'Brien steps in as head coach. Oh God. <laughs> joke like that. We, uh, I know we made the joke last week though. What if the Texans beat the lions so bad on Thanksgiving that they fire Matt Patricia? I didn't think it was actually going to happen. Yeah, I didn't either. Apparently their, their interim head coach is Daryl Bevel. Bevel. Oh, uh, Bevel Seattle's old offensive coordinator. Yeah. I, oh, cool. Um, And apparently he, told players this is coming to you live from today actually oh this was only a couple hours old this is breaking news um but he is quoted telling the players let's try to get a wild card playoff spot which i don't know that they can but I, i i like that he is telling his players that that's what they should try for i'd probably put my money on the vikings getting that playoff spot before detroit but hey you never know but i I've said this actually multiple times today. It's funny how it keeps coming up. I'm a firm believer that people will rise to the expectations that you put on them. And I think that's a big part of culture in the NFL. Um, And, and putting that like, Hey, we should, it doesn't matter how bad it looks right now. We are not mathematically eliminated. We should be trying for that playoff spot is a good, you know, mentality to have and shows that he as a coach is not writing off this season as just a, ride it out for the draft pick kind of deal. Well, I think if you do that as a coach, whether you're just stepping in or not, if you write it off uh, and wave the white flag, so to speak, it's a really bad look for your locker room. Your guys are going to, they're not going to 
want to get behind you as much, you know, whether they say they will or not. I think if you wave the white flag to your players, what's that telling them? Yeah. But I mean, he's coming out like almost immediately saying, Hey, we're trying for this playoff spot when, you know, I'd say the odds are kind of against them. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, you know, that game they have upcoming in a few weeks with Minnesota could actually be a big decider. Yeah. You know what? If they make the wild card playoff spot, he will be my interim head coach of the year. <laughs> All Prodigious right. award. You heard it here first. Um, Daryl Bevel, you've got a lot at stake now. <laughs> uh, so let's, let's end this show. We've talked so much about the playoffs. I want to ask you in the AFC and the NFC each, who are your three wild card teams? Ooh, that's a good question. Ooh. NFC and AFC. Well, AFC, I think Dolphins. I think the Dolphins for sure. Colts. Or this is AFC. I said NFC, didn't I? No, you said AFC. Keep going. Okay, AFC, Dolphins, Colts. Mm, man. I mean, you got to give the other one to the Browns, right? Yeah, Browns and Ravens, I think. So, Although the Ravens have been trending kind of downward in what they're doing. You can only pick three. Oh, I can only pick three. Oh, why did I think I could pick four? Oh, so yeah, Dolphins, Browns, Colts. Okay. Yes. I, I don't like picking the Colts because I, I think they're a, they've been playing well, but I still kind of think they're a weak team, if that makes any sort of sense. Well, the Titans kind of showed that on Sunday. Yeah. Um, okay, who's, um, your, who's your NFC three? NFC three. Well, gonna have to go with my boys. Okay, of course. Go with my boys. And I think the Rams and the Cardinals are kind of a good bet. Rams, Cardinals, Bucks. Okay. I just, that NFC West division, I really think is just so strong. And assuming the Rams and Cards, you know, finish out relatively well over the, the last few games of the season here. Which they they still both play each other twice. I I am looking now. Assuming their other three games though they they win, I I totally see it. Yeah, I I'm gonna make kind of a hot take and make one little amendment to what you just said. Go for it. So in the AFC, I agree with you. I think it's gonna be Cleveland, Indianapolis, and uh, who would we say Miami? I agree yeah. with that. In the NFC, I think it's going to be Tampa Bay. I think it's going to be the Rams. I'm gonna I'm gonna stake a claim right now though and say I do think the Vikings will sneak into that last spot. Fair enough. I think they're gonna overtake the Cardinals for it. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing to say, I know, but the Cardinals they haven't impressed me so much over the last couple weeks as they did earlier on. So yeah, I don't know, but I, that's gonna be my hot take for the NFC playoffs. I think the Vikings are gonna be your seventh seed. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, I think we're about at an hour, so we're probably going to wrap it up soon. Any final – you already gave your shout-out, I guess. I have another shout-out. I actually had a couple of shout-outs to give this this episode. Um, one, and this might be a shout-out that you were planning on giving too, but shout-out to kicker Sarah Fuller. Oh, yeah, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for her. Um, and speaking of awesome ladies in football – Shout out to the Browns first female positions coach. And I forgot her name because that's what I'm doing today. Who is the NFL's first female positions coach though? Yeah. um, Her name is Callie Brownson. Thank you. I see. I I was trying to remember it because I'm like Browns Brownson. Yeah. Yeah. You were close. You were good. Um, but she stepped in when the regular tight end coach left to be at the birth of his baby, which is awesome. Yeah, that's that's a really two really cool stories out of the football world over the weekend. Yeah. Anyway, what are your shout outs, Jared? Uh, I well, you took my one with uh, the Vanderbilt kicker, so I repeat my sentiments that you just gave. And I would like to give a shout out to my Seattle Sounders in the Western Conference Finals right now for the MLS Cup playoffs. They will play 
undecided between Minnesota or Kansas City on Monday night with a chance to go back to the MLS Cup. Let's go, Sounders. Yeah, let's go, Sounders. That's really the only shout-out I have to give, though, right now. Fair enough. I almost want to shout-out DK Metcalf for having a monster of a game, but I don't feel like that's fair. I hope coaches the rest of the season tell him he's not Calvin Johnson. (laughs) I'd love that. 177 yards every game. Let's do it. Pete Carroll just pays a guy every every <laughs> game to go in and like make make a compliment to a DK. backhanded compliment. Yeah, that sounds like an insult. A backhanded compliment. Yeah, well, he pays a guy, let's just say a hundred bucks every week to dress up in the other team's colors and like other team stuff, and then just like say something snarky to DK before the game, just so he just goes off. I love it. But uh, yeah, DK. something like he goes, "Hey DK, your shoulders so broad. Too bad you can't. You know you have great broad shoulders. Because have you seen that man? He has got heck of large shoulders. Yeah, he's like a building came to life. Yeah, you're like man, DK, you have really broad shoulders. Too bad you can't slip through, slip through defenders though. And he's like, man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna break so many tackles this game. He uh. Apparently he doesn't need much for motivation. So I, uh, I'm all about that plan. Let's do it. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to about wrap us up. If you've got nothing else. I don't think I have anything else. I, I just, have, I feel like I've had a weird, uh, a weird energy, this podcast. I think we both kind of have, you know, we didn't really, if you can't tell, have a plan going into this one. We just knew we were going to ramble about football and the conversations would come to us as they would. And that's exactly what happened. So thank you all for bearing with us and for following along, for listening every Thursday like we hope you do. That's when we publish every Thursday on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts. Check us out there. Check us out on Twitter at the expansion BU1. And oot, we, just, we just appreciate you all for listening and following along. We do. Uh, Jared? Thanks for being here once again for another great episode. You got it, buddy. And to the folks at home, never forget. Party like it's 1976.